Hi there, MMBC Church family. It's good to be with you this week with our midweek sermon recap that we try to do each and every week uh, here together. Uh, we're still in Ephesians, almost done with Ephesians, uh, trying to work our way through that. We're in Ephesians 17, the second part of 17, because the first part of 17 talked about the helmet of salvation, which we looked at a couple weeks ago. This week, we looked at the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, it says there in verse 17. And so we approach uh, what some call our only weapon. Uh, one of the things I found, though, is some people say we actually have two weapons. And the way they get that is what it's going to say in verse 18. It says, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplications. Uh, so they say we have two weapons, the word of God and prayer. Uh, that we we pray as well, and God uses prayer also, uh, which we see. So we'll be looking at that together uh, in a couple weeks, uh, focusing in there on prayer. I have to mention this about the sermon. I asked the question at the beginning of the sermon. I said, I remember I said, I don't like doing this. I wouldn't raise my hand if I was in this room. I don't participate in this way ever. I said, but who here has heard of the Baptist faith and message and I had a follow-up question, which I wasn't able to say, because I was shocked that maybe 10%, probably less, raised their hand. Um, and if you're listening to this and you're a part of our church, North Michigan Baptist Church, I really want to encourage you to go to the computer and search the Baptist Faith and Message, which I believe also is on our own church website. I think you can get to it on there as well. But if you look up the Baptist Faith and Message, it'll... You're going to find it right away. You can click on it, and you can see in the Baptist Faith and Message is the Statement of Faith for Southern Baptist Churches. And it's our Statement of Faith as our as our church. And I guess why it was so shocking is most of the people who are in our church, as I look on the crowd, are people who are here all the time. You get some guests. You get some new people. Um, but I really want our people to know what our church stands for and believes. And they, and I'm sure, I hope through the sermons and teachings that you get that for sure. But when researching and trying to decide, you know, where am I going to go to church? And this, you should know where they stand and their statement of faith is that. And so I really would encourage people to uh, read and look over the Baptist faith and message. And also a little plug. I mean, in our podcast, Pastors of the Roundtable, we just started a series going through that. I think we've done three of them so far, right, on the Baptist Faith and Message. We did like The two, fourth one is coming out this the week. The fourth one's coming, yeah. So we did like two... Or two introductory ones and one on the first one on Scripture for last yeah. week, which yeah. is what we're talking about today. Right. Less, though this week should be about God. On God, yeah. Yeah. And so, I, I mean, you could listen to that. That should give you some insight into the Baptist Faith and Message as well. But anyways, that was just uh, uh, shocking to me a little bit. Uh but in the Baptist Faith and Message, the last line says, All Scripture is a testimony to Christ, who is himself the focus of divine revelation. And this is something that sometimes I think we can forget, that when we read Scripture, it's always pointing to Christ. That's why when we preach a message in the Old Testament, it wouldn't be rare, hopefully, for you to then hear us leading to Christ through that passage, being faithful to that passage, and in its historical context and what it meant for the listeners of that day, but also because we are New Testament and Christ has come, we can see that passage and say, and look at how it also points to Christ and who he is and what he has done. And so you need to be faithful to that, and we want to be faithful to that. But Paul here, when he talks about this sword, 
he says it's the sword of the spirit, the sword of the spirit. So you guys hear, um, I'm sure you've heard this before. I don't know if you've ever preached this passage or really studied uh, this passage in the armor of God. It's a famous section, but it's usually just something you're taught. Like here's your armor, maybe not in depth. When it says that sword of the spirit, I guess what comes to your guys' mind uh, in that phrase of how he words it. Cause he doesn't say, you know, here's your sword, the Bible. He says, here's your sword of the spirit, the word of God. Why the spirit, I guess, being added on there. What do you guys think? Or what do you know? Anything? Well, I would assume, uh, you, there's a number, there's a probably some different options that if you were to look at, whenever you look at the phrase of the spirit, that is, um, in, in, in language terms, that's a genitive phrase. And so it could be, this is the sword that comes from the spirit. It could be the sword. I mean, there's any number of relationships. I mean, you look up in your standard English dictionary, the word of, and you'll probably find a number of <laughs> uh, definitions for what that, what that word could be. So there's any number of things, um, I think in which it, it, it could be referring to, um, I don't know, Tim, what did the commentators seem to lean towards whenever you were studying? Because you studied the passage. So, I mean, mm-hmm. what did they lean to in that? I mean, the main focus was that it's not my sword. Like, it's not my sword that I come up with, that I make, that I forge, that I that I uh, it's create. It's the sword that's owned or sourced yeah, it, from the it's, spirit. It's the, yeah, it's it, like we've been saying all along with the armor. This armor is not actually my, I mean, it's armor of Christ. It's his armor that he wore, that he has defeated Satan with. And that now we have, that we have been given. And this includes, and so the way that uh, I worked it out in the sermon was, you remember Jesus said in John uh, 16, 13, I guess I can read it. I have it. I have it right here. And so I might as well read it. He says, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. And so Jesus is saying very specifically here, you know, he's talked about the spirit numerous times and he said, there's one even greater coming, you know, and he's, you're going to have power to go and do this. But he also mentions here, this, the Holy Spirit is never going to say a word that I haven't spoke, that I haven't told him to speak. And so I think that's a good connection here with this, right? It's the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And you're like, well, what's the word of God? Well, we're told the word of God is Jesus himself in John chapter one, verse 14, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And so the words of Jesus, the word of God, the scriptures that we have is what the Holy Spirit is going to speak. It's what he uses. This is, this is the sword. And already, I mean, I haven't even got to the point of my message yet, but already you can start to see where people drift from that very quickly because people start to say, well, the Holy Spirit has told me this. And it's like, you should go build a tower uh, you should live in the tower and use the tower for people to come to and then speak to them. And it's like, what? Where where did you get that from? I don't think that was the Holy Spirit. That's not the word of God here. You know, it's like these outlandish things that the Spirit has told me to do this and the Spirit has now told me to do this. Um, and I've always struggled with that type of language because I think God has given us uh, wisdom. God has given us um, common sense, right? God has given us knowledge. But most importantly... God has given us his word, and this is how he speaks to us, is through his word. And so when people ask questions like, well, how can I hear God speaking to me in his calling in my life? Open the Bible. Read the Bible and be smart. And it's like, well, it doesn't say in here, it doesn't, it doesn't tell me in here if I should take 
uh, this new job or not. It's like, well, God has given you wisdom, right? What does God tell you to do? He tells you to care for your family and provide for your family, to be a good neighbor, to be a good worker. This new job, would you be able to do those things? You know, uh, do you think this job is going to lead you to sin? Is it going to lead to conflict in your family? Like we can go on and on. Let's, let's talk this through. And in the end, I think we'll be able to sit and say, well, this obviously is not God's will. Or we could say, both of these maybe could be God's will. I don't know. Just make a wise decision. Make a wise decision here and trust, and trust the Lord then on it. You know, if neither of them are particularly bad or whatever. And that's how the Holy Spirit moves and works, right? Yeah, no, I think the Holy Spirit, I mean, uh, God doesn't, this is the thing. Um, the, the Bible is intended to uh, renew our minds. Mm-hmm. So God doesn't just like, for instance, all of those individual details that sometimes we would like, I just want a yes or no answer. I want to know. <laughs> but actually, uh, an amazing thing is, is God is renewing our minds <clears throat> so that he can help us to think. God um, wants us to be wise and to grow in wisdom. And one of the ways he does that is by the Holy Spirit's power, taking that scripture to renew our minds, to help us to process and to really think through these texts and what God is saying to us with the Spirit's help. Um, and enlightenment, and then we we do arrive at a decision in light of Scripture, um, and so I think God the Holy Spirit is is using the text of Scripture, and really, like the, there's the two dangers, isn't what Tim? I think what you were kind of going after was, on the one hand, we can think um, we can we can try to emphasize the Word of God to the point. We, it's you can never, I don't think, emphasize the Word of God too much, but if you take away the role of the Spirit. Then you're thinking, I can approach this book on my own and do this. Well, actually, no, you need the Holy Spirit to take this, the words here that he inspired to make them alive to you and you are born again and then you're renewed, your your vision is cleansed and you can see things clearly and that happens throughout your whole Christian life. So you need the Holy Spirit to help you understand the scripture. On the other hand, we don't want to be people who are so, who think the spirit works apart from or outside of scripture. Mm-hmm. So it's actually a, the Holy spirit took the time to inspire the Bible and he takes the time also to enlighten us, mm-hmm. to understand what the Bible is saying. And you see that all throughout the Bible, all throughout scripture, there's not a spirit, uh, uh, word contrast or antagonism. Mm-hmm. They're friends. They fit like a hand fits into a glove. And so like, if you read, um, the Old Testament, but then I was even thinking here in Acts, right? How often do we read, like, for instance, here in Acts, right? And the word of God continued to increase. So the Holy Spirit's doing all of the work in Acts, right? Pentecost, all that mm-hmm. stuff. And yet we see the whole, the word of God's continuing to increase. And then on the other hand, at the beginning of chapter 13, for instance, we see the Holy Spirit says, set apart to me Barnabas and Saul. Mm-hmm. So both the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is using the word of God in Acts consistently to um, bring people to a knowledge of salvation. He doesn't, the Holy Spirit doesn't just like pour himself upon somebody apart from the preached word. Even with uh, Cornelius, right? Uh, Cornelius is uh, in Acts 10 is knows he needs to send for somebody because he wants to be saved. The Holy Spirit doesn't just fall upon him. He falls upon him and his family when they hear the word mm-hmm. of God. So the word of God and the Holy Spirit are friends and they come together. And I think that's just an important thing to, to be reminded of because we can't pit them mm-hmm. a, against one another. And so, and, and, you know, bringing the point about Bible memorization, I think that's, you know, Jesus said that the Holy Spirit will teach you all things and bring to your mind 
my words. And I think the benefit of, of us learning God's word is when we're in those situations and all, you know, the Holy Spirit will put a verse in our hearts saying, and it, you know, the, the words of Christ, be anxious are the words of the Bible, be anxious for nothing. You know, don't be yeah. an- anxious about this situation. What should I take this job? Should I do this? You know, as you learn God's word and you have that foundation, then he will bring to your memory those verses that you're like, oh, that's exactly what I need. That's the whole mm. point. <laughs> yeah. It goes together, just like you said. Yeah. So, yep. And also, another point, the Holy Spirit also is, you mentioned general revelation. Mm-hmm. In the, t- the Holy Spirit is still active in general revelation, yeah. too. Yeah. So some of those things about, should I take this job? Well, the Holy Spirit, there are things in the Bible that we want to have in our mind um, to filter through and some principles. But there's also some things in general revelation that sometimes we just call common sense. Mm -hmm. The Holy Spirit also is working through those things as well. He created the world, right? He was hovering over the water. So he's active in general and special revelation. Um, the, the natural word and then the special word in, in the text of scripture. So he's active in all of that. So don't think also if you're just saying, if you're just using your common sense, well, that's actually also God's gift to you as well. Mm-hmm. Don't deprecate that. That can't save you, but it, it is still a good thing, I think. So in the sermon, there was four points. Uh, the word of God is reliable. The word of God is revealing. The word of God is working. And the word of God is the Christian source of strength. And so on the part portion of it being uh, reliable, we talked about this uh, from two vantage points. One is historically. So I did my best to just do a little thing about the his- historical side of how it's reliable based on other historical books that we have that are always seen and revered as reliable, very reliable sources uh, like Plato and Socrates and some other ones like that. Uh, but also the Bible it's, itself claims to be truth it claims to have to have the truth that we need in second timothy three sixteen, all scripture is breathed out by god and profitable for teaching for reproof for correction and for training in righteousness i didn't go too deep into this either uh, but even like peter himself talks about paul's writings and when he references paul's writings he references them along with scripture like he puts them equal mm-hmm. Yeah. to each other mm-hmm. already pointing. So I know no, normally when we say, see, these guys are talking about scripture. They're actually talking about the old Testament. Well, Peter takes it a step further and he's talking about new Testament writings already uh, of Paul's, of some of his letters saying, this is scripture mm. here. And so this, this then means all of these, <clears throat> all the scripture we have, Timothy is telling us is breathed out by God is profitable is good. And so this, this is why you can't, uh, take some of the Bible and not take others. It, it's all of it. Yeah. It's either all or none. You know, you, you can't, you can't pick and choose because then you're inserting yourself uh, too much into this, into this book. And if, if God has revealed himself to us, uh, which is the second point through this, through this book, we can't say, well, we don't like this part of you. So we're not going to take it, you know? Um, it's kind of like when you get married, you get married with somebody and it's taking all of you for better or for worse. You say sickness and health, you know, little things that annoy me, the things that I love greatly, <clears throat> like I'm, I'm taking it all. And you can't just be like, you know what? On Tuesdays, hon, you just really get on my nerves. So from now on, on Tuesdays, I'm out. I'll see you back on Wednesdays. You know, uh, you, you don't do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, that would be ridiculous. But that's how a lot of people approach God's word here. Yeah. Something I was going to point out, Tim. You didn't bring this out in your sermon, but I think it's related to 
the idea of scripture being reliable. You went through all those the, the that like list of facts about how many copies we have, yeah. the percentage of accuracy. I think something that that also highlights is that there really is a, I guess you could say, a scientific process mm-hmm. for getting those copies, for uh, comparing them to one another, for translating the Bible into a modern day uh, language that we can read, and that just highlights that. You know, some people might say the Bible's not reliable in that it's not accurate. I mean, some, but some people who say that it is reliable, they still don't read it the way that it should be read, which is as the authors wrote it, right? And like that, that just because you say the Bible's reliable, you still might not be reading it right because you're just putting whatever you want into it. You're reading into it whatever you want there to be mm-hmm. when actually, no, there's, there's a process you need to go through. Make sure you're reading this as it was written. I just think, you know, facts and things like that that you shared, some people find those things boring, but they remind me that the Bible is a real book that had real authors mm-hmm. that were trying to communicate specific things. Mm-hmm. It's And sometimes we think that, oh, because I have the spirit, I have the liberty to read whatever I want into this. And it's just whatever I feel like this says to me at the time. Right, yeah. Mm-hmm. And... I guess that's just what I'm trying to get across is that, you know, just in the same way, there's a scientific process to translate things from Hebrew and from Greek into English. There's also a scientific process to make sure we're reading this, trying to understand it as it was originally written. Yeah, that would be reflective in the part of the message where I said, if you give the if you give a nice sharp sword to a child, I love that. That's dangerous. That was good. Right. Uh, but when you give it to a warrior, it's effective, mm-hmm. and it's effective defensively. It's effective offensively. Uh, it becomes a great tool, and that's what I would be referencing yeah. in what you are saying there. Um, and I think I even mentioned, you know, I, it saddens me. I try to listen to a lot of sermons at different times, but I have heard sermons and pastors say, you know, uh, basically tout the fact that they don't know much about the Bible, you know, or that they don't have an education in it. And it's like, yeah. Why are you bragging about that? We want to. Could you imagine a soldier? <clears throat> Look at this gun. I don't even know how to use it. It's yeah. like what? Or, or give a, me the gun. Or a surgeon, like you said. <clears throat> yeah. Hey, or a surgeon. What's this do? <laughs> yeah. Or not even a not even the soldier, but the general who's leading the army. Right. Would yeah, that, that be case, comforting to the soldiers? Yeah. I'm going to train you guys how to use this weapon today. I've never seen it before. <laughs> I know, though. I've seen. If you pull this trigger, a bullet comes out. Yeah. Right. So you're ready. Just keep go. your hand on the trigger. <laughs> go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Point shoot. Yeah. Or a farm. Um, I mean, yeah, there's any number there. A, far, far, a pharmacist. Yeah. Take the, uh, the the blue pill looks really good. So <laughs> yeah, take that yeah. one. That yeah. would work. Right. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I <laughs> mean, like, which one did Neo take? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, one or the blue, blue pill. One. Yeah. But it, but it is dangerous to know just enough. You know, yeah. if you find a pharmacist who's like, you got a headache, you should take Tylenol. Okay, thanks. You know, he knows enough, but it's like, but I, I have, you know, I have uh, meningitis. Take Tylenol. What? No, I need more. You know, I, I need something else. You know enough, but you're almost dangerous. You're dangerous that you just know enough, mm-hmm. you know, to actually lead yeah. people wrong at times. Yeah. And too, I mean, we're taking this way far. Or it could be like people that have heart problems are supposed to take like an aspirin yeah. a day sometimes. Like you might ask, well, that doesn't seem like enough. Right, let's that take does, more. That doesn't seem like <laughs> enough. I need more than that. Well, actually, sometimes the answers we find in scripture, they're very simple. Yeah. They're very basic. That's Ooh. how I work with NyQuil. <laughs> if a little works, a lot's going to work better. <laughs> I get yelled at sometimes by my yeah. wife. 
She's like, why don't you use the measuring cup? I want to go to sleep in three seconds. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Anyways, yeah, we did get off. That was your fault. It is, but I thought that was a very good illustration. Oh. It was a good point. I do think that, that, that yeah, you brought up something there that I think is um, in a lot of circles sometimes, though, it is regarded as if the one thing that you don't have to be trained for and just have good intentions is to be a teacher or a preacher of the word of God. Mm-hmm. And uh, I people would, might have good intentions, but, yes. but that, but what you were pointing out is you need to also consider if, if in these other things, good intentions are not enough. Well, how yeah. much more so whenever you're handling the word of God? I mean, I would encourage all Christians to share the gospel with their friends, even new Christians. And you say, well, they might not know enough yet. I would still say there's, there's profitable things in them saying, even if it was just their testimony, and I know I've said before, like, I don't think your testimony is enough. You need to share the gospel, what Jesus did. But even for new Christians to say, you know, Jesus has saved me. You know, he's forgiven me of my sin. Even something as simple as that, I would encourage them to do that. Mm-hmm. And their friends might ask some questions they don't know and have the guts to say, I'm not sure, but I know that God has like changed my life. I know that he's done this, and I'm excited about it. I'd encourage the youngest Christian to to do that. But like you said, Spencer, there are things that I think uh, in church life and Christianity is reserved for uh, positions that God has placed people in, right? God, uh, so in Ephesians, we already talked about this. He has called some to be apostles, so prophets, teachers, these things. And so those who are called in the church in the church setting to teach and to preach should be trained to do so and to do it well. Mm-hmm. It should be expected. And so it, it shouldn't just be anybody. Like, does anybody in here want to come preach? No. Mm-hmm. It's a specific task that God has given to people, and there takes effort and training. I would say the same with music. I don't think any Joe Schmo should be writing music that we then go sing in the church. I don't know what they're writing. Mm-hmm. You know? Now, would I say you as a individual Christian, can you write a song? Sure, but don't tell me don't tell us then to go and sing it. Right? Don't tell us to put it on the radio. Now I think the radio is pretty lackadaisical in the music that they allow to call Christian. Um, but even in that setting, I think then it can lead astray, which I would dare say musically we have seen. We've seen this from weak pulpits, mm-hmm. right? You get weak churches. I think we see it from the music scene as well. Mm-hmm. Weak songs, weak Christians, weak faith a weak understanding of, of scripture. And so we, I think this stuff just needs to be taken very seriously. If it is the word of God, if it is reliable, if it is <clears throat> him revealing himself to us, and it's our, it's the weapon that has been given to us to pierce people's hearts. And we're going to stand before a congregation and preach, or we're going to stand before a Sunday school class and teach, or we're going to lead a Bible study in our home even if you're going to be willing to do those things, then by all means, be willing to put the work in so that what you're saying is accurate and right, like you were saying, Scott. Yeah, it's the warning of James 3.1, not many of you should become teachers. Yeah. You'll be judged with greatest strictness. That should be enough mm-hmm. right there to yeah. let you know that it shouldn't discourage, well, it should discourage some people, I guess, but if you are going to do it, make sure you're prepared, mm-hmm. that you know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's because that part of the sermon, the Word of God is revealing we believe that what Hebrews says uh, in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 through 13 is real. That the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the heart and marrow. And again, if I believe that, and if I want to teach a group of people, and I want God to convict them and, and work in their lives, 
then I want to do this well enough that I'm not just, I'm, I'm piercing the heart mirror, but I'm not lopping their heads off. I'm not destroying them. I'm not mutilating them with what I'm teaching. I, I'm not leading them astray. I want to have a heart that is right. Say, I, God, I really want them to see you. I want them to know you more. And this is the weapon you've given me. So help me to know how to use it well. And again, in the end, it's the work of the spirit in their life. God has to reveal this stuff to them, not manipulation with words. But I still need to use my words well. That's why Paul would take men like Timothy and train them. Mm -hmm. Paul himself went away and got trained. For years. For years, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And so after already having been trained, in the Under Old the Testament for the years, yes. yeah. then he went away into Arabia, right, for yes. for years. Yeah, some say like maybe three, right. two or three the years The disciples or were with Jesus for three years. Yeah, and so it, it, I can only speak from experience, and I deal with, I feel like a lot of young men, uh, or sometimes not too young a men, maybe a little older, uh, in their 40s sometimes, let's say, who will say things like, God's calling me to be a preacher. And this happens the the majority of the time. Honestly, this is the majority of the time. They say, "What what do I need to do?" And uh, you say, "Well, you need to be trained." All right, what does that look like? It's like, well, I would say it's go to school. You should go to school. You know, you should. There's Bible colleges. If you already have a degree, there's there's seminary. You can go off to seminary. And I I'm 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 not joking. Ninety to ninety five percent of the time, the response I get is no. Mm-hmm. I want a different way, and yeah. it's like, what do you mean? Mm-hmm. I just want to preach the word. I, I have this calling. I have this thing. I want to go and preach the word. It's like, but you don't want to learn how to do it. Well, isn't there another way? Like, I found a website or I found this. Like, you're taking the. You know, it's like you're not being serious about this thing where you're you're going to stand before a congregation with a weapon that is intended to slice them open so that they see who they really are before a holy God. And you're telling me you don't want to actually train how to use this thing. Then this job's not for you. Like then just be a faithful church member. There's nothing wrong with that. Right. You know, <clears throat> sit under our teaching and preaching and let us train you maybe a little, and you could be a very good Sunday school teacher maybe mm-hmm. or whatever. But don't come and say that you're wanting to preach if you're not willing to put that that work in mm-hmm. and our culture has catered to that you know the quick fix you can go online and pay what 30 bucks whatever to get a ordination to do a wedding you know yeah and it's just sad I, i'm thankful for dr bieberstein he was my preaching professor in in, uh, in in school in college and he said for your sermons you have to do a minimum of 25 hours per week on this sermon well and if you go less than that, you have to mark, you know, he would mark you down on your, on your sermon. And uh, he said, not only that, but, you know, marinate yourself in this text. He's like, preach to yourself. And I never forgot that. And I was a young, younger Christian. And, but it really taught uh, the principle of take the word for, you know, don't take, don't take it for granted. It's very serious. Do the work. And I think in our culture today, people don't want to do the work. What's the quickest way to get to this point, you know? And, hey, that doesn't work when it comes to God's Word and <laughs> the training. I want to encourage people, I guess, as we wrap this up, the, the way I tried to end my, my message. And, you know, talking about this can seem daunting, I think, for people. You should be in God's Word and studying it, and you should know it. And it, it starts to feel like a final exam, you know, and it, it, it almost starts to feel like a burden instead of a relief or instead of a source of joy or strength. And God's word for us as Christians is our source of of strength. It's where we find 
who God is more and more, who Jesus is, who we are, what we have done. And it, it helps us to cling uh, to the feet of Jesus, right? To cling to the cross, to be going to the cross. And so I want us to remember that, that this word is our source of strength. And it's not supposed to be something that's laborious, but it's something that's supposed to be joyful. And if in your life, reading scripture at this point and where you are is a labor, it's, it's difficult, I I would encourage you to keep fighting that and keep pushing past that because that will change. Uh, that, that, will, that will be different, I think. God will work in your life to where you start to see the great benefit that God has given us uh, in his word. And so I tried to end the sermon just showing some scripture verses uh, that remind us of, of the goodness of, of God, right? And... Uh, Verses like in Isaiah, but they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with the wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. I read all of Psalm 121. You know, where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Or uh, this, the passage that's probably one of the more famous ones in Matthew 11. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. Why? Because I'm gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I know for me in my life, I have I've seen that to be true. I remember uh, going to youth camp. I, can't, uh, I was in 10th or 11th grade. I don't remember which, which grade. Probably 11th grade. And being convicted at that, at that camp to uh, read my Bible every day. Up to that point, I hadn't really read my Bible every day. And I was like, I know I need to. I've always heard it. I've been a church kid my whole life. I'm going I'm going to do it, right? And I remember that process of starting to do that and how at first it was exciting. It's like, okay, I'm in it. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. But then life happens and it's like 11 o'clock at night. I'm ready to go, ready to, go to bed and I haven't read my Bible yet. And it's like, fine, I'm going to read some of my Bible. And so I read some of my Bible, you know, and read some of my Bible. And I had a Bible, I think it was like a teen devotion Bible or something. So I had like little devotions in it every day and it would tell you something to read. Nothing too intense, you know. But I remember through that, it really was through that, that God helped me grow where it got to the point to where I was wanting to know what was next in the Bible and wanting to study it more. And then the way that life took me and the way God took me, I mean, he ended up, I felt like calling me into ministry work, which led me to schooling, which led me to studying the Bible. And I never, I never enjoyed studying. You know, I was the kid in high school. My kids make fun of me. I had a 3.0 because I did nothing. I didn't care if the teacher's like, Tim, you can do this or you can get a B or a C. I'm happy with the B or C. It's like, fine, that's fine with me. Uh, You know, whatever. But what I found is when I went off to college, all of a sudden I'm having classes on the Bible I was very fascinated to study it and to know it. And God started to show himself to me more and more. It's like, this is who God is. But also, Tim, this is who you are. And it was like, oh my gosh. you know. And, mm-hmm. But then you start to understand the great love that God had for you. And it draws you to him more and more. It's like, this stinks seeing more sin. Realizing how prideful I am all the time. But understanding that God even loves me in the midst of that, wow, what a God, you know, what a God we serve. And then it started to change Sunday mornings for me, what worship was like, you know, or uh, it just really started to change my life. And that's because God uses his word and he used it in my life as a kid, as a teenage kid, just saying, you know what, fine, I'm going to read my Bible every day. 
I'm going to do it. And and God started using that in my life, honestly, to where now I want to be in his word. I want to study. I look forward to that because of how nourishing it is and how much peace really it gives me in my life to be able then to come across decisions in my life, but scriptures in your head, right? And you're bouncing everything, it seems, off of God's word and things start to make sense more and I'm not in a panic all the time or whatever. It's like there's much more peace in my life and satisfaction and the full credit is because of God using that sword to continue to cut and mold me into who he wants me to be, I think. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's my kind of my testimony with the word of God. I, I don't know if you guys is a similar or not. No, I mean, I, I was just going to say that I think sometimes today we, we're a little skeptical, or not skeptical, but a little afraid to ask people to do things like that. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, or to expect them or to hold them accountable to be in, like read something in the Bible every day, you know, and to make that kind of like a standard for ourselves. Um, because we don't like making people feel guilty, you know, for things like that. But mm-hmm. I mean, in in a similar way, around the same age too, like I can remember when I was challenged to do that, and when I was held accountable to do that by a, a youth small group that I was in. I can think of no more fruitful exercise that I've ever done in my life, mm-hmm. and and for my Christian walk, not even as a pastor, but as a yeah, as just a Christian, you know, and it will it will bear fruit mm-hmm. in your life. Yeah, yeah. And, and so that's why I'm not, I'm not scared to challenge people to do that. You know, uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones, a pastor that I like to read and stuff, his thing was always logic on fire. And that's really what the Bible is. You know, it, it's, it's invigorating to the mind. Like, it's a challenge to the mind. So it's like a, a cool little thing in there. But it's on fire, and it catches you on fire. And I've mm-hmm. seen it happen. I mean, I've seen it happen with other Christians. You know, there are those church members who are like, you should do a Bible study every night. And you're like, whoa, 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 slow down. But... I think they have good intentions. They're just excited, you know, and they're yeah, wanting to that's grab. That's why. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're wanting to grasp it more, you know, and more. And uh, sometimes you got to, like, pull them back, like, okay, hold on, hold on. Let's mm-hmm. let's focus on one thing right now. But uh, that's what it is, you know, and uh, God's Word continues to do that, and it's done that for a very, uh, very long time. So uh, I encourage you, uh, church member, to be in the Word of God. Um, I encourage you to use the resources that we at uh, this church have trying to give you to help you in that endeavor. We have books. Um, Pastor Spencer and I just went yesterday and picked up hundreds and hundreds of books. I don't know if it's thousands, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, We picked up lots of books for the library that we're making uh, upstairs here at the church that we hope to open up to members and Sunday school teachers and uh, local pastors. And the reason for that, again, isn't even though old books are cool, I'm not, I don't want to dismiss that, but the reason for that is these books are all centered around the Word of God, to point you to the Word of God, to help us understand the Word of God better, uh, because there's great value in the Word of God, and that's what we do as a church, is we want to point people to Christ, who has been revealed through the Word, through the Word, so we're people of the Word. Well, uh, we hope to see you back uh, this coming Sunday. Hopefully, it'll be a beautiful day outside, a beautiful day to come in and worship the Lord together. So we hope that you will join us for that. But in the meantime, I hope you have a great blessed week. God bless.